This is the Fireground Action Photography Podcast, Episode 17 for the week of November 30th, 2008. This week we're going old school. Ross Benson brings in an old shooting buddy of his, Mike Bolton, and they're going to tell us how it used to be. What was photography like before the internet, before cell phones, and of course, before digital? Stay tuned. That's coming up in this episode of Fireground Action Photography. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Fireground Action Photography, the podcast produced by and for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. My name is Craig Derling, and I am your host. Joining me on the Fireground once again, as always, is legendary Southern California photographer Ross A. Benson. Ross, welcome back, sir. How are you doing this Good week? evening. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you? Where are we tonight? There's the patented Ross A. Benson. <laughs> Hello. Every which, every which way. We are in studio tonight. We haven't had any big fires uh, that we've uh, reported from the fireground. But again, we're getting great feedback on that f- uh, fireground report episode a couple back now. And uh, so we're going to try and bring you some more of those. Uh, glad you enjoyed that, those who have uh, have let us know about that. Ross, more importantly, we have a special guest uh, in We'd... studio tonight. Why don't you introduce uh, him to the folks and the folks to him? Oh, I would be glad to. Good friend of mine, a longtime uh, shooter, and uh, he'll... Uh, in- Go back and tell you a bit, little about it. Mike Bolton. Mike's been a friend of mine. Oh. I love your music. <laughs> come on. We had to get that out of the way. Yeah, okay. that name did come out there. No, it's uh, Mike Bolton. Uh, he's a uh, old news photographer buddy of mine. We shot uh, back in the 70s and uh, back in the film days, uh, flash photography, D76 and all that good stuff and dailies. Welcome, Mike. Newspaper. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to have you in studio with us today. I Sorry, to, I have to in say, I face ha- camp. <laughs> I only have the name; I don't have the talent. Oh, come on! <laughs> that is to say, you made it past security. You have the talent. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, Mike. Years ago, you know, we used to shoot for many, many years, and I'd love you to give me a little, uh, give our listeners a little background on your photography and back back in the days when there was a couple of dailies around. And let's hear from you. Well. My photo journalism started uh, uh, probably in the middle to late 60s uh, before I got out of high school. I knew a buddy who was employed by a local paper, and we used to hang out together and chase fire calls and police calls, and that's what kind of got me the bug. Uh, he'd hand me a spare camera every now and then and teach me which end of it to hold. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew very little about uh Photography. I think the last thing my folks ever had was a little brownie uh, camera. That is, and uh, <laughs> who didn't start with one of those? <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally. Well, my folks did, but I didn't. So, anyway, uh, I, I know my buddy uh, used Pentax for years, and uh, but I was in the military, and I actually got a better deal coming home on leave in 1972 uh, to buy a camera at a local uh, camera store where my buddy. Uh, Stan knew the owner, so I went in there and plunked down my hard-earned uh, military money and bought my first uh, Canon uh, FTB. So I feel like I'm in great uh, company here with you Canon guys. Ah, uh, yes. Uh-oh. And I've stayed with Canon forever. Uh, <clears throat> even bought a little sure shot in the little pocket camera days. But now but, you're uh, shooting with a Canon Rebel. Uh, the, yeah, the, the XTI. XTI. I XTI. Just, just went to the digital mode uh, <laughs> last year. Uh, found a great deal at Costco. It's there one you those, go. One of those consumer cameras. Now, yeah. back uh, way back, uh, late 60s, early 70s, I know you and I uh, 
chasing calls. It was uh, real different back then. That's when the speed limit on the street was 25. Didn't have too many freeways. But cars to only went 40. You're right. You know, and you could get to a call or a fire while they were still burning. So, you know, you didn't have to break your neck and kill yourself to get there. But let's uh, go back to the 70s and some of the things you shot. You shot um, back in the 70s, there was the Herald Examiner. Now, now some of our listeners might remember two big L.A. newspapers, the Los Angeles Times and the Herald Examiner. There was the Green Sheet. Uh, That might uh, ring a bell to some people. Now it's called the Daily News. The reason it was called the Green Sheet, it was literally printed on green paper, you know, but it was the daily news. Now, you've had pictures appear, I know, and then we both shot together for the city that we live in, in Burbank. You shot for the local daily uh, paper that used to be the Daily Review uh, when it was a daily. Yeah, I did a lot of stringer work for the daily, uh, uh, the Burbank Daily Review in those early, uh, probably 70s um, or, or, or even later, and they would assign me to go out and do sports stuff and and uh, as you say, uh, I've, I've heard the podcast, those badge pinnings and award ceremonies. <laughs> yep. and Grip and grins. And, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, uh, all that kind of stuff I've done, uh, which is all photojournalism. And I, I don't have any formal education doing it. I just learned how to use a camera, um, practiced uh, in, in the film days, uh, buying bulk film, loading my own cartridges, uh, 10 frames on a cartridge because that's about that's about all you needed to do. Uh, you know, those those bring back some old days. Tri-X, had Panix. Get, had to get it right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, I did a little bit of slide work, not a whole lot. Um, I did a lot of bracketing when you did slides, you know. Um, but my days, uh, and even up until just uh, a few years ago, was strictly film. I'd, I'd have it converted to digital so I could email people, you know, family photos and stuff like that but i haven't done, i haven't done news stuff for for many many years i kind of changed hobbies and uh, turned it into a side profession but uh, yeah in those early days uh, it is still much like today but we didn't wear safety equipment or you know you had to carry a flashlight but i was out two three in the morning middle of the night middle of the day um we were available. I had a full-time job always, but uh, every other waking moment was with a scanner in your ear, going everywhere where there was something to go to. So well, we, have, we have a lot of listeners out there who have been doing this for years and can probably relate to exactly what you're talking about sure. and what you're going to be talking about through this episode. But we also have new listeners out there, and we have new photographers just starting out who I think need to hear this stuff. They need to know the history of what everybody of what we all do. Yeah, and a, a real good basis, and and really, and that'll help them appreciate what they have now. Yeah, well, oh, I think yeah. back then, um, you and I have shared uh, the mess a couple of times. Back then, you would take and shoot an assignment, or we were called stringers. Back then, uh, we would shoot, take and drop it off through the mail slot of the local paper in the middle of the night, two, three in the morning, yeah. sit in front of the, for me, it was the Daily Review. I remember writing out cut line information or what what the fire was, put it in an envelope, seal it up, put it through a mail slot, and then you kind of waited to the next day to find out if the picture ran or you'd call at about 9.30 to find out if the staffer got the film, made sure they got it, are you going to use it? And I remember back in the about 73, that's kind of what I we've shared before in the podcast. That's what I did. I shot a, a fire in Griffith Park and uh, took it into the um, took it into the editor, and you know he said go process. And I said what? You know <laughs> you remember those days of sure. uh, 
Well, I remember days where you and I and a guy by the name of Scott. Scott Warren. Yeah. Yep. We'd all show up at the same incident. We'd all take the same pictures, whether it be a fire or some traffic accident or big explosion on a freeway. I did a lot of freeway stuff with the CHP. Um, got to know those guys pretty well that cruised up and down our local uh, uh, highways. And uh, we'd all throw our film in that same, uh, you know, mail slot with, with in the envelope, and then you just kind of have to be a gamble of who would win. <laughs> uh, now, I had a little more history with the paper at that time, and I think they picked mine, I don't know, two to one maybe. Uh, but there were days where if you got a better shot than me, that photo editor would uh, – or the, the, the daytime photographer – would come in early in the morning, and that was the last thing to be printed was the front page. Well, and the f- first thing that jumped into my head when you mentioned the, that is, is it was a race. It was up to the editor. Yeah. And they, what they were famous for back then is the best shot ran. Whatever and sold we papers. we see that change over the years. And now with the <laughs> fact that everybody with new technology, everybody's got a camera in their cell phone. A lot of publications, a lot of newspapers are going to what's easy, what's cheap, what's free. A lot of photographers want payment for their images. Well, if you know the recent Universal Cities, Universal Studios fire, I was on the fire ground for four hours, and there were local papers that did not run my shots because they had the option to use a free cell phone camera shot from five miles away. They ran that shot. Now, is that choosing the best picture, or is that going... The cheap and, and well, easy way. I think it's a cheap, and, and nowadays that's the thing. We know quite a few of our friends, very close friends, are getting laid off. Yep. Papers, uh, the Daily News, uh, for example, started with 25 photographers. Now they're down to seven. Digital, need a lot less guys doing it. There's a lot less things. And dollar-wise, a lot less people are reading the paper. And you both started in, in uh, a decade where the, the print newspaper oh, was, was king. We, there were no oh, computers. There were no yeah, computers. No. I, you know, there was not cell phones. And we talked uh, to just go back at that time. We talked so, um, on CB radios. We we yeah. were part of a local club, so we would communicate that way. But I think back then, Mike, uh, refresh my memory. Um, what was it about five dollars a photo? I think or twenty bucks a photo. Yeah, I actually do remember that. And, and, and here's a point that to, to just reiterate what you guys were saying about about. Uh, Time. I think that the I know for a fact in those days that the day shift primary photographer came in at five o'clock in the morning or something to process whatever film might be there, uh, and I don't think he had time. I, I certainly know by his own attitude about things that he didn't want to take the time to process mine and yours and Scott's and Ben's and you know who all yeah. those other people. Uh, he just picked somebody that he knew the quality was there. Uh, sometimes it'd be yours, sometimes it'd be mine, whatever. Uh, but I know that they don't have time to be looking at four or who five he, different rules. Who he of knew he could count on. Exactly. And and we would just kind of luck out. But in the day, it was $5 a shot. Um, and it, it didn't even matter if it was the front page or not. Sometimes I'd make 25 bucks uh, if I was going out on an assignment and had to do four or five pictures well, or, you know, they print stuff. It's coming full circle because it's about five bucks a shot now, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, but back then, yeah, I remember shooting, taking pictures down to the L.A. Times. They yeah. didn't have an office or a UPI, AP. Right. They were downtown, and I remember in the middle of the night taking stuff down, and you wouldn't know if they were going to use it or not. And, again, that morning photographer, right. uh, the Burbank Daily Review was a daily, and they went to press. 
at about 9.30, 10 o'clock because they had to be get the paper printed, get it out to their uh, guys to throw it. And uh, that was back then when there was a daily. Well, I remember the Herald Examiner because I actually delivered the Herald Examiner in the early days in a car route where bicycles couldn't even travel up in the hills of Glendale, um, where in the newsstands, the newsstands were big back then, uh, they'd probably do six different editions that would run all day long. They'd keep filling up newsstands with, with new edition. But I delivered the evening paper. You know, the, the L.A. Times was always a morning paper. The Herald was always an evening paper, and uh, you know, except for Sunday morning. Now, so, getting back to uh, yeah. shooting, you look back uh, many years, you know, with some of the events that really stick out in your mind. Um, fires were always front-page stuff. I mean, major traffic accidents, politicians involved in stuff or whatever. You remember anything that really stuck out in your mind? And I'm just curious, back then, nowadays we deal with uh, most of us shoot Horizontal verticals, and we talk about it quite a bit. We shoot verticals for thinking of a front page of a magazine. Quite a few magazines, that's what we kind of shoot for. Back then, you were thinking, did you think above the fold? Right. Um, you know, you think about that nowadays. Most people think about the staple. Well, back then it was above the fold because it sat in a newsstand, and that's what sold. Yeah, front page pictures sold the paper. Uh, it's certainly in newsstands, and there were that was big business in the day. Uh, and that's what you aimed for. Um, it'd be different than if you were, you know, on an assignment doing something. They'd bury that in the in the lifestyle column or something. You know, that'd be different. But if you were out there at two, three in the morning, I remember uh, a couple of notable. Uh, and I'm not sure if it ran in the paper, but I, I have it on my. I had it on my wall in my house for a long time. It was a it was a, a garage fire, and <laughs> and you guys all all know that the fire produces so much light. And you're photographing this with a flash. It, it looks like you've got a house fire that's at 3 in the morning, pitch black, and you look like you've lighted, lit it up with daylight. I used a Honeywell, you know, the old oh. potato masher type. Yeah. I had several of those, some some Vivitar uh, 283, 285. I heard you talking about those on previous yeah. podcasts. Uh, those were all the staple of, of what we used in, in all the camera bodies. Um, and they're still out there. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing they are. Uh, the, the Mets, I think, uh, makes still yep. a great uh, Mets. Unit. Still does, sure yeah. does. Uh, but uh, I even had special brackets made on the camera in those days. That's right, uh, I remember. Because I was such a fanatic about you did a horizontal picture and the flash was on the side. You just got this awful shadow mm -hmm. to the side of the you know. And then when you turned it the other way, it was not right. So I had some aluminum bracket made by a machinist and, and I could put that clip on the side and no matter which way it was it was directly over the lens did you invent the strobe uh, frame the strobe I, frame i may have you know that, that's, that's funny exactly you say that because is. i have one but that's basically what that company is all about exactly saunders strobo frame and you're right because i remember back then uh, many right. years ago mike had built or had made a machine shop with two a bracket on the left and on the top and if you had to do that horizontal or vertical yeah because of that shadow and it was right. right like when you remember when we were using 283s on a camera if you went horizontal you got that horrible shadow on well, the left and i took the 283 or 285 and had a handle made with a shoe and it wasn't of course a hot shoe because i had to have a cable then to the camera but it allowed me to take that 285 when i put the old honeywell away or you know finally didn't work and do the <laughs> same thing with it on the on that bracket, and um, I, I just happen to know a guy in a machine shop that could make me this stuff. Now back so that, was amazing. back in the year, you and I were talking before uh, the show started. 
names like Don Reed, John McElhaney. Um, we'd yeah. be going to calls, and these are guys with a big radio station. Back then it was KMPC, news all the time, KFI, news all the time. Yeah. And these guys would be racing to a call and doing live reports. And you and I used to listen. In fact, for myself, got to know both of them real well, as I know you did. Yeah. John McElhaney was their uh, pilot, uh, old retired police officer. Got it. He was their uh, Flew their helicopter. I remember flying with John over numerous calls. I have pictures still. Uh, Dodger Stadium during a World Series game. He landed. Yeah, you got that, and I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I remember flying with John McElhaney, and he landed in the middle of Angel Stadium, and he had me fly in with him. And that was, uh, you know, those things. Let's go back to technology a bit. You know, we're in 2008, coming up on 2009. We spent a lot of time talking about these new cameras that are coming out, 24 megapixels. They shoot high-def video. That's today. Let's go back 35 years. You know, you talked about having to make custom frames, custom brackets that weren't available at the time that are now. How is your, your photography, and maybe even more specifically fire photography, different because of the technology you had at your uh, fingertips? Well, I know film-wise, um, Kodak used to come out with 12-exposure roll, 20-exposure roll. They changed to 24 after. They had 20. It was 12, 20, and 36 for many years. And we shot plus our triax. And I remember, like you said, we used to bulk load it uh, by a 100-foot roll, make your own roll, put it in, and so forth. And then uh, I think uh, Ilford came out with a 72-exposure roll which was really uh, different at one time. But I don't I don't ever remember turning in 72 exposure rolls. I would process those my own. In fact, back then, I remember uh, going to call if we, I to beat these other guys out of them putting the film in through the door. I Wait, would take, there was competition? There was. I would, I would run home, and I had a changing bag in my kitchen. I would take and open up the film canisters, load the film. I learned how to process by Scott Warren another photographer, and I would take and roll the film inside of a changing bag, go into my bathroom. My parents were asleep. This is 2, 3 in the morning, you know, in, in our little single You did it under your bedspread? Well, your, your tent with the flashlight? <laughs> well, no, not with the flashlight. But oh. I remember loading the, the canister, processing the film in the kitchen, and then I remember taking uh, photo flow and drying it and hanging it in, my ba- in the uh, bathroom while I would go write cut line information. And then I kind of beat you guys out because I would have processed negs. The morning photographer wouldn't have to even look at stuff. Goes in, there was already processed nags, and that kind of after the days of uh, starting. So, and we're still friends. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. That that certainly you had the advantage, and I stayed out of the dark room. That was a, a technology I didn't want to learn. I had an old photographer, an old dark room lady from from Warner Brothers Studios, tell me when I was working there, <clears throat> tell me whatever I could do, stay in front of the camera and never get in the dark room because it'll kill you. You know the the fumes and the, the chemicals, chemicals and all yeah. that. And she and she already had diseases from from that and hand problems and oh well, you know skin diseases. So, carpal yeah. tunnel from oh doing manipulating photos right. from holding cameras they, and they holding can, heavier cameras. Oh, cameras yeah. back then were a lot. They were metal. I remember your Nikon's <laughs> with that winder on the bottom was a fifteen pounds. That would yeah. take you to the bottom of the ocean. Well, yeah, the, yeah, yeah the first winder that I ever had. Uh, talking about winders. It was Dick Winder. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Good friend of ours. That's right. Uh, Old motor cop in Burbank. Good Uh, old Dick Winder. uh, Yeah. Uh, Did the AE-1 have a winder, I think? No. 
but I, or, I that was my first camera. Well, okay. my second camera. I used my dad's eighty one. There was an I found an aftermarket winder that went on the bottom of it. It was a okay. whole three frames a second or two yeah, frames yeah. a second, but yeah. it, did, it didn't have one built in. Well, one of the most notable photographic experiences that I ever had doing news stuff, and, and I don't know if it ever got in the. I mean, I'm sure somebody got it in the paper, uh, probably. Um, that's going to say in those days probably Ross. I don't know because uh, I don't I don't remember all that. But I remember um, uh, a woman leaving work twelve uh, thirty at night. She got in her Pinto, pulled out onto the highway, just a regular street in, in Burbank, and got rear-ended by uh, four Ill- illegals in a in a. Can I say that? Oh. Um, you did. <laughs> well, back then, uh, four, that's what they were known as. That's fine. That's right. Yeah, four guys in a in a Ford LTD yep. hit the back of that Pinto, and Pintos were known for their bumper bolt yep. blowing up the gas tanks, and that's what happened. This car exploded, and I, I were you there? On oh, that I sure. Yeah. Uh, of, it was uh, oh, Van right. Owen and Hollywood Way, yeah. and Wait, we both did. And shoot how it. long ago was this? Had to be year. middle seventies. Oh, you, yeah. Well, mid, no, I take it back. No, I take it back. Later. Yeah, it had to be eighty, eighty-one or. Now he 81. shot that for the local paper, and I yeah. remember. So did I. Um, I was contacted. Well, on I, that. before you, sorry, Go before ahead. you tell that story, here's something I learned from Ross, uh, and I try to learn from everybody I come in contact to, but but here's yeah here's what I learned from Ross. Film is cheap. Take plenty of pictures because I don't think I took enough pictures of that. Maybe a roll of 20 or 30. Maybe I rolled 36 black and white. I don't think I even thought about putting color in. Uh, I mean, this poor woman was crispy. I mean, that was a term That's we used we in call? the day. Yeah. But, it, uh, but, it, but there was a financial factor to that uh, at the well, time. There, there, Film costs money. Now it, you it spray and pray all you want. Digital is right. free. But, I but mean, you're it thinking wasn't of that, that expensive when you considered the amount of uh, if you were bulk rolling film. Okay, you know, sure. And, and I had rolls of twenty and thirty six if I needed. But but in those days it was all bulk film. And the newspaper, of course, would you know pay your five bucks for the front page photo and then give you a roll of film and back. a brick of film. Yeah. yeah I mean, no, that, back then it was a roll. It was oh, just really? a roll. I, I still mean, have yeah. bricks of film in my refrigerator from. And, and, and sometimes they would be more generous, but most of the time, if you turn in a roll, they give you a roll. You know, so that's fine. Uh, but I remember on that specific uh, incident, I didn't take very many pictures. Although I took, I what I thought I took was plenty to to capture the event. Uh, you know, I, we got the body coming out and laying on the ground, the whole nine yards. And Ross just took pictures uh, until the next day, and the sunlight <laughs> came up. Because I'm sure I went home, went to bed. I was working uh, swing shift at that time, and got off at eleven o'clock or something, and had gone home. And this was right near where I used to work, so it didn't take long to get there. Uh, but that that did have a huge financial impact because Ford Motor Company contacted both Ross and I. Uh, we always learned to put our name in the uh, in the police report as having you know. Photographs. That was one of the things back then, uh, and I find today, uh, even on uh, the highway, California Highway Patrol, if you're shooting, they'll interject your name, they'll put it in, uh, professional photographer so-and-so shot so many images. Right, um, that incident, I shot numerous 
<laughs> roles. You knew what you were and, doing. Well, I shot. It was the first time, and like you said, we got contacted. Uh, it ran in the paper. Yeah. I don't know who shot it. Was but yours he or mine? May have, Ross may have seen the future to that, where I was just <laughs> yeah. totally out of the picture. You know, I shot but it. You're not. And, you're um, not bitter. Oh no, no, <laughs> because what that did for me, and, and I don't care that he made ten times more money, and, and that didn't matter. The money I made, six hundred dollars in the day, bought me an A one. Wow. Top camera by by Canon at the time, A1 motor drive, five frames a second, couple of lenses. I mean, it bought me a whole package, and I still have that today. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't have and I shot Ford, and I remember them contacting us, and Ford mm-hmm. said, we want every frame printed in multiples of four, three and five. Yeah. And I remember that was my a big job for me, $3,500 is what I made from them. And the same thing, we would go out and buy new cameras, spend right. it on your equipment. Reinvest it. Yeah. But I want to uh, touch on something, um, and that's that's the film. You know, you had 10 exposures, <laughs> or, or you're limited for exposure. Oh, you were. People who don't know anything but digital may not understand the concept of what it was like to have to get the shot right in the camera and also not knowing if you got the shot until... The next day. You're, the next day Until or a couple of days later or if you mailed it away and got and that, it back. that is that a good point. Talk about that. Talk about the skill set you had to have and the confidence in your own photography and even more so your technique to know what your settings had to be because it was all manual. Oh, it sure was. What your settings had to be to get the shot and to be able to take that to the paper and say, I got the shot. Well, see, and I know for myself, um, Mike and I, our good friend Scott had a dark room and we kind of – we were good friends then. We still are kind of like you and I, Craig. We can go out and shoot today. We've shot millions of things together. And there was no competition. There was, but there wasn't, of whose picture would run in the paper the next day. But you're right, because the local editor, you know, if you had a, a big fire, several people would bring in stuff. But if they knew Mike would knows what his camera would do, or I did, they knew it, it paid off. You had to know your equipment, right, like back then. But, like, you're right. 10 frames, you knew you had to know what you had on film before you even turned it in. If you got there late, somebody else was there, it was his shot. And you had no immediate feedback. You didn't have the, oh, the no. screen on the back. Well, we did. You didn't have 800 shots on your card. It's funny. We, card? the guy that, yeah, card. <laughs> yeah, the card. Card. And everybody then, out there is going, film? Back then, we uh, had a photographer from the local paper for many, many years, Gene Howard. Uh, I'll drop his name here. Uh, has moved on to live in Chicago, and he uh, was the local photographer at the local paper. So he was pretty critical. Um, he he was an award winning photographer, had oh, but numerous. I, but I awards. have to tell the story because he's the one that <laughs> that, that did it to me. The the film sleeves. You can laugh out loud, Ross. It's all right. Ross is trying to breathe right now. <laughs> in the, the film story. days, film <laughs> sleeves came in six frame length. Uh, film sleeves. Six right. frames to a length is what would fit. So I would always write at the bottom of my little note, Gene, please cut them in six frame lengths. And I used to, and he would do that and send them back to me, and I'd put them in the little sleeves in my little notebook and, and label everything, and I had a pretty good system. And, and apparently he got annoyed. Like I said, Gene had an attitude. Oh, he did. Uh, I think it was getting up at 5 in the morning, but but nevertheless. <clears throat> I think it's a fixer finally set in. Uh, well, something did. He's sucking <laughs> it's too many It's always the fixer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, I go there to get my film one day, to pick up my film and my $5, and all of my film <laughs> is cut in ones. 
Single frames. Now, Single frames. Back then, if you remember, you couldn't you handle. You couldn't them. do anything. You with couldn't it. take them anywhere because you'd had to take, handle them with a tweezers. Yeah, you couldn't put them yeah. in, a, in a frame. And yeah, no. And, yeah. and he knew that. He knew that. Of course. And of course, did. I wasn't going to do anything with him. <laughs> and I called him on the phone, and I went, "What the hell did? You, excuse me. What did you do?" And he just read me the riot act that I had to remind him every time to put. You know, I mean, he he never he always cut him in six. So I could put him in the sleeves, but he just got annoyed one day and said, "I'll fix him." Well, that was the last time. Well, it's apparent the guy can't follow simple directions. <laughs> That's right. You know, it was funny. We yeah. we both learned from Gene. He was a staffer. You know, you go on fires during the day when he was on, and we would go, "Well, what's the use of showing up?" Because they'd use his his stuff. But we became very good was, friends with Gene. But if it was big enough, you you needed to shoot it over to the. To UPI or to the Times. Back the then Herald we had other, right. the, the Daily News, which was the green sheet. I mean, the, the, if they didn't show up and you were there, uh, you had that was sold. your market. You, yeah. know, the, you were scrambling to get it to the next guy if the staffer showed up at a big and, house fire. And that's back when, and Craig, I know you can relate to this. Even Mike and I, you'd make, you'd get proof sheets done or prints, and uh, you'd you'd uh, take them to the stations for guys to buy pictures. Right. You know, and I remember. Well, you would. Yeah. Not me. You just oh, didn't you. have the, the entrepreneur. I, I did not. I, I love the journalistic thing of putting right. them in the in the paper. Well, it wasn't about the money. It was just about, you know. But I used to get a lot of side work that paid pretty lucrative um, in the day from my contacts. I mean, they send you out to do those badge pittings and award things. And politicians would get you to shoot their, their political uh, campaign literature. It, well, it's funny because uh, – uh, Mike did get – he was doing all the political – people would call him and go, hey, Mike, you want to shoot my political you know, campaign and this and that? And they wouldn't call me. you know. And so it's he kind of picked up that end of the business world. Um, did you – Craig, by chance, have you remembered ooh, ooh, what ooh, you were going to say? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I, I remember. I remember. You can call it a purist. You were more of a purist shooting for the photojournalistic value of it. Ross was more entrepreneur, maybe entrepreneurial. Had found other outlets for it, but we have listeners that run the gamut. We and we found that we, you know, Ross and I talking to each other on on the show here think that everybody goes out, all the fire photographers across the country take a picture of a fire and they go to the stations, they put them online for sale, they sell them to magazines, they sell them to papers, they sell them to firefighters trying to recoup uh, some money or, or for whatever reason. And we're finding that that's not necessarily the case nationwide. Some are purists. Yep. Some just do it to document and appreciate um, the, the firefighting industry, which we, of course, also do. Um, but we found these other outs, outlets and uses for the images. Um, but we, we've learned that ourselves, is that there are purists out there. Yeah. And, and to bring up something I was talking about earlier uh, with, the, with the strobe lighting up a big building fire to make it look like daylight. Uh, the point I was trying to make was that when they got the fire out, it was now pitch black dark again. And you had to have, like you do today, a flashlight in your pocket to see yeah. your camera. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> set up lighting like they did back. No. Nowadays, rigs, they put up these lights that make it look like daylight. Back then, yeah. it was pitch black. You know, if you're around a house fire, you're tripping over hoses. You had to carry that six or nine cell flashlight under your arm to see where you're going. Yeah, in those days, there was no surefire. Yeah, and there was or... no autofocus. <laughs> nope. Oh, exactly. No. I remember the, the, the little crumple thing that got clear or whatever yep. that's called. And get in the two and, semicircles, and, half right. moons lined what, what up. Was just that right. was the FTB. I, and, then, and then I had a camera that was automatic. It was a Canon EF. And that was the first black body I ever bought. Uh, and used the same 
lenses for, until uh, the AE-1 was automatic focus, you know. Uh, but I didn't buy any extra lenses. I heard you talk on a couple of podcasts ago about uh, people who use other than the factory uh, lenses. Uh, on my A1, I bought Tamron, and Tamron were just, I mean, I was so pleased with what I got out of Tamron lenses, and I had several. But I had a Canon, uh, I had a 102.8 portrait lens because I did a little bit of portrait work. thought that might be fun. I had a friend who wanted to get into commercials, and I did some headshots for her. Uh, a couple other people came to me for that, and I, it never really worked for me. But uh, uh, I, I, I used uh, I used zooms very little because uh, 35 millimeter in the film day was the standard uh, journalistic uh, yeah. uh, lens. Sure, you know? sure. And, and I think I then then from a 35 I went to a 28. A lot of guys uh, oh, yeah. were shooting yeah. 28 because I had a 28 <laughs> also 28. Yeah. yeah, but I still had a 35 28, and I used that almost all the time because uh, you didn't get any kind of uh, Vignetting or vignetting or fisheye or none of that. That was great for most uh, group pictures if you if you were doing stuff. But I don't think I ever used a zoom lens on any kind of uh, um, nighttime fire. Any, I mean, that was just something that wasn't there. You, know? you, you mentioned uh, earlier on about coming back, getting out of the military, not having mm-hmm. safety equipment at, when you were on scene shooting fires and emergency scenes. Oh yeah. You said you. We were talking before the show. And uh, how did you come up with your first uh, turnout jacket? Oh, actually, I, I think that was, yeah, I don't know if it was on the freeway. I'm sure it was the police who said, hey, we don't want you in the street if you don't have some safety equipment, some kind of reflective something. You know, the fire department always had their turnouts. Not that the police had anything. They were running around in dark uniforms, and they still do. But uh, So I got a bright idea to take my military field jacket, which had some big pockets, and I wasn't even thinking about that in the day, but I thought I could use that. This one has, I believe, a zip-out lining. That's uh, just another piece of material. But I called up 3M. Ross and I were, were go way back into the very first vests. But, but to, to finish the story, I called 3M, and I said, I'm working on this project, and that was probably my forte. I could BS anybody into sending me anything. Uh, this I, was I, before I Google. sent you twenty bucks just the other day, uh, and thank you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. You know, this um, was before Google, before computers. Yeah, oh. he literally had every phone book, and he would research, calling the company, the, going right to the you back. Could, you were the inventor. And, uh, <laughs> Ross was the entrepreneur. <laughs> you were the inventor. Well, I called up 3M and I said, "Hey, I'm working on this project. I'm a photographer, and I'm looking for." Uh, some reflective tape like that they put on the fire uh, coats. You know, I didn't even know they were called turnouts probably in those days. I don't, I don't know what I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I, what I knew back then. But uh, she said, oh, yeah, we can send you some of that. How much do you want? And I said, oh, I don't know, you know, 10 feet maybe or something. I figured that would go around this jacket and make something like I've seen on the back of a, a, a fire turnout around the cuffs and around the bottom and across the back. And so I kind of measured it out. So she sent me 10 feet of, I swear, it's three or four inch mm-hmm. yellow reflective tape. And uh, and then we talked about they had some, some um, letters, and she sent me for free uh, letters to spell photographer. And they were iron-on, and I ironed them on the back of the jacket so that on the back you'd see it said photographer. In the day, I, because I didn't have a press pass, I wasn't a you know I didn't work for anybody, and they wouldn't give you a press pass no matter. <laughs> they were pretty hard nosed. So you walked that. backwards into all the scenes. No, actually, I went and got a plastic engraved uh, big name plate that was red with white letters that said "News Photographer Mike Bolton," 
Now that you put that on the front of the thing, anybody could read it. You know, it's like a you know, one of those engraved name badges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And except he got the biggest one he could. I think, it, I think it was a three by five card yeah. in red with white letters. And he came it's up. It's like to your you. Burbank Times. Uh, card. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> I mean, so I, I put size of a the, license plate. <laughs> I put that on the front of the, 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 the thing and I wore it everywhere I went, you know, kind of like realtors today. They always wear the little badge. So anyway, those were the early days. of, And I showed up at, at, in, the, in the field again. And it must have been the police, local police that made this comment. It was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And they never hassled me after that. But you had to be you know? more creative back then, oh, too, because yeah. a lot of this yeah. stuff wasn't readily available. Or you, you just didn't have the money to, to go buy stuff. Well, you had to be inventive like that. Yeah. Well, well, the first the real vest that came along, and I don't know who found this guy, uh, whether Ross did I or I did. you. <laughs> I may have in my research, you did the research on, on vest. I found the guy who, who invented. invented and then manufactured the first mesh, kind of plastic mesh vest that Caltrans wore on the freeways. Uh, it was a, a very kind of uh, a weird plastic mesh that really would breathe because there were a lot of holes in the mesh. And it had just, uh, I think he had them in white with yellow and orange with orange or orange with yellow and white with, I mean, they, they kind of mix up the colors. And I know I have it hanging in my garage to, today, to this very day. I still have those on hangers. Um, Please tell me you still have the uh, the jacket with the nameplate on it. In my it. car today? No. Well, in case there was a call tonight, I oh wanted to be God. prepared. Oh, my God. Yeah, you got to remember, he hadn't yeah. shot for a while, but he, he knew he, we were going to We have to put I'd... a picture of this up on the uh, with <laughs> well, the show notes. It's funny you say have... that because I've recently, and I sent it mm-hmm. to Mike, I have a picture of him when we were doing field tests of the, his reflective coat in front of a local drugstore. We were out there 2, 3 in the morning doing time exposure shots with flashlights, with the car headlights of each of us. I had a helmet that said press on it, right. and uh, you had your field oh, had our, too, yeah. you know, your field coat, right. and we did tests of and each other. it's probably stuff you all made yourselves oh, or I put together. To. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had regular hard hat, plastic hard hat. We have, to, we have to get a picture of that coat or get the picture you took, one of the I pictures do. you I, took. I, I have that coat. Yeah. So we, people need to, like the, the world last... needs to see this. Yeah, I think the coat still smells from the, from the last fire I was at. That was probably 80... <laughs> or so. I, we're, I, we're talking I, to veterans here, folks. Well, I, you know, well, Mike, doing these this. are guys, these are the, some guys that started what we do. They started this business. We're running a little short on time. Give us your best fire story. Well, you know, I, I just want Mike to share because there was a story that him and I. Uh, he, well, I he came up story. with a. Uh, <laughs> we came up with a little code name for Mike. Uh, there was a big accident in Burbank. There was a police pursuit, and uh, the police were going down Victory Boulevard. And this motorcycle they were chasing comes out of an alley and T-bones an officer. The victim on the motorcycle goes flying. It turned out to be a fatality, and we're both there, you know, trying to get the best shot. What can we get in the paper the next day? And we're both breaking each other's neck, you know, to get the shot that'll appear in the paper because Burbank police killed motorcycle rider. And, uh, Mike, allegedly, allegedly, uh, you know, he, he embedded his rice rocket in the side door of that police car and catapulted over four lanes of a, of a boulevard and landed on the other side, hit his head on the curb and wishboned his, legs up over his head he's no longer around but but the film mike turned it in and i turned it in don't tell the punchline of the story i won't and uh, (laughs) we kind of waited to see you know back then well that was competition you got to remember i was shooting i was shooting nikon no i was shooting minolta and the shutter would go it had a cloth shutter in it so it would go left to right mike was using this fancy cannon 
that had a metal shutter in it, you know, newer equipment, and he was a little fancier. And But he made a crucial mistake that night. Not like yours forgetting to put a card in or not wait, forgetting to wait put... Wait a minute. I learned that from oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> but now look what they've done to cameras. They give you this warning on our digital camera, no CF card. They didn't do that back but that's then. that's a custom setting. It is. Yeah. Well, we didn't have that back in the 70s. We didn't have no film no exposure or whatever. Mike, go ahead and tell them what uh, you accidentally did that night. Well, I had been out that earlier that day and photographed, I think it was some sporting event, and I had my shutter speed set at 250. And 250 does not sync with a flash. Back then. It did fl- then. That's it did right, then. it was it might 60. Now. Yeah, it's, it, my camera, my Canon, and I'm sure that was my FTB in the day, had to be on 60th of a second. 60th of, the, yeah. of a second. You're and forced if it wasn't, to shoot 60th. You couldn't get a picture. And so I had a whole roll of this guy, and all you get at 250 is half a frame. So yeah. Ross called me 250 Bolton from then on. Nice. <laughs> now I know what that means. That's right. Yep. I'll Just, that's you. why your middle name starts with a two. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, now was, uh, I know. And I know his middle name. That's I, right. I'm I, I made that him. mistake 10 years ago shooting when I first started shooting Supercross in the stadiums with a, a strobe, trying to strobe the bikes as they went past it. 50 miles an hour i it, if i went to a too high a sync speed i would have half of a shot lit yeah and i would shoot an entire race like that <laughs> and of course it being film you didn't you know didn't until know it. right so a whole race 12 rolls of film mm. shot processed and printed and oh, not a shot gosh. came out i probably out. only did 20 frames so you can see, film. i was real happy that when digital came out yeah. uh, well mike learned after that one oh we joked about it for a long time but you say again the technology back then that was an accident it could have cost him it cost him that accident but uh, well, I'll tell you, know, you I'll tell but you, you, learn, more, you learned from it yeah i'll tell yeah, you one did. more accident and i'm not talking traffic accident I used to be hired a lot to do parties, uh, birthday parties. Uh, I didn't, I never did weddings or receptions. You jumped out of cakes, or uh, no? <laughs> oh. I photographed parties, and oh, I photographed okay. a very notable. That's right. This is a f- photography show. Yes, yes. Uh, I photographed a very notable businessman uh, in, in Burbank, owned a hardware store forever and always, and he retired. And I think it was his seventy-fifth birthday, and somebody hired me to photograph this birthday party at some big restaurant. And, Lots of people. People had come from all over to to celebrate this man's 75th birthday. And in the day, you could use, uh, and I don't even know what it's called today, uh, if it's even available. It was professional color print film. Oh, Veracolor. Veracolor, exactly. And so I bought some Veracolor, so I had just dynamite color. You know, with the with of course it was you know for daylight flash and and that's what I used. It was color balanced properly. That's right, right. right. Yeah, for right. For, for the flash, and it really truly made a heck of a difference. And that's what all the wedding photographers would use was Veracolor, whether it be two twenty four mat or whatever. So I buy my rolls of film. I go out and shoot this guy's seventy fifth birthday, and I had a custom lab that I sent him to uh, sent away, or maybe I sent it directly to Kodak, which were one of the few that processed that special film. And they screwed up both rolls of 36. They screwed up. As a processing? They admitted it. They sent me a letter. Sorry, Mr. Bolton. And Gee, here, and sorry. here's two replacement rolls of film. Oh, great. And I had to go back to my customer oh. and say... You know, was, back that, then, you remember when you took film into every lab, that was their... If they screwed up, if the machinery stopped, or if there was a... Yeah. I remember having a big job. You didn't want job. to drop it off in the morning or at night. No, that <laughs> was Laundry. 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. You did not want to, the first batch. You didn't want fresh and, fresh chemicals or old chemicals. That's or, right. Yeah. I remember big lab here in town. Um, not in business anymore. I dropped off a big job like that. Slides. There was a scratch through mm-hmm. everything. Every single thirty six frames. And I looked and I said, "What's this?" And they said, "Oh, see the little sign on our counter. We apologize for any, but here's your replacement roll of film." And I go, "But what do I tell my?" Here's your replacement roll of film. Yeah. And that's all they would stand by behind. Well, that was and, the last time I ever did another party. Yeah, and I, I, even I today, be responsible for that. I think you need to be responsible. Oh, the pressure. Are. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh no, exactly. they, these people were just And knowing you can never trust something in, like that again. You yeah. know, I've, I've, I've yeah. dropped film off. Um, I mean, everybody's at, had at, that kind of mistake. At facilities, sure. sure. And, you know, similar to that, it never reappeared. I went in with my, my slip. You know, three days later, four days later, well, we have no record of it. I went in a week later. No, we no, no. They didn't even couldn't even find the number. Wow, disappeared, gone. Two rolls from a vacation, yeah, gone. And all they could ever say was, "Well, we're happy to you know give you a couple rolls of film." <laughs> you know, well, you and, know, and what can they? Well, really, what can they do? It brings up a, a great point. Uh, I'm not going to segue oh, that's here. Two. Oh, we got oh. one each now. This show, um, but like Mike said, back then it was film. Nowadays, you got to know your equipment and and so forth. And we talk about it quite a bit. Last week or a couple weeks ago, you were out shooting brush fires. Your equipment got probably sooted, soiled, yeah. and filthy. Your lens, As I would hate I. to see inside. Ed Sherman and I were finding clean portions of T-shirts three layers deep to wipe the front element of our lenses. Yeah, it yeah. goes to, and that's what we deal with now. Back then, you know, it was totally different. Now, that's we're still dealing with the same problems. Absolutely, as we photography did. is still photography. That's right. F stops are still f stops, and they always will be. Just right. now, a lot of people don't know what it means. The well, camera does it for them, and that's why we always encourage people to put it on manual, put it on M, learn how to take the picture. Well, Mike and I, we've talked about it. He went out, bought a Rebel. From his his uh, little tiny you know pocket sure shot mm-hmm. or whatever, and he's back to shooting again, right? Like you know, Excellent. we want uh, even if it's the flowers in your backyard, yeah. start but shooting, get enjoy shooting. it. I, I never owned a digital camera until I bought this XTI. Uh, it's way more advanced than I'll probably ever use in what I do. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a consumer. Uh, but I have taken the advice from your previous podcast. I've learned so much from listening to you guys. Uh, although I've known Ross for almost 40 years, uh, and I've learned a lot from Ross. I've learned a lot from you, Craig, just listening to the podcast, because I have taken that camera that I that I bought a year ago at Christmas. That was my Christmas present last year. Uh, I can't afford one this year. Uh, <laughs> like but, a lot of other people. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I went out. I've been off on medical leave for uh, eye surgery, and I've been out to, uh, with one eye in the camera when I couldn't stay in the house anymore. And I was out photographing flowers in my garden on a close-up setting. I was doing just playing with the camera yep. because you can just push that delete button all day long. Right out in your, back, your own backyard. Yeah. yeah, in my own backyard. Shooting and and stuff that's where I front. have a lot of fun with the macro lens right. is I'll just walk the, my neighborhood with a macro lens, yeah. get right into stuff, and you see a whole other world just yeah, outside I'm, your I'm, front door. I'm learning what you guys have known for a long time, but I never bought one of those little jobbers. Uh, you knew it a lot longer, you know. Well, a lot, a lot, lot longer ago than I, I do. I, I, yeah, I still have uh, – uh, like I said, I still have the film cameras that I don't use, but uh, the technology in my head is still there. It's all coming back out. It's been, well, digital that's good. And, and by shooting, getting yeah. that camera back you in know, your shooting hands. Digital, we've we've joked it's about like it, kind of like shooting slides. Yeah. 
you know, you go back to your Kodachrome days or whatever, and right. photography is photography. Well, if had, you open up yeah. all the way, you're going to blow out your, you know, the the image. You I know? had a great ability to 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 learn how to fill flash because that's an art in the manual and days. Very, you know, a very important skill. A, a very important that you don't skill. appreciate until you figure it out. Well, I look at some of the photo stuff that appears in my local newspaper, and it is deplorable. What is hitting hitting the front page of these papers? I brought some to show you tonight. I, I don't know how they can publish a paper with the photographs that they have because you can't even see people's faces. They're not have, using Phil. Have, they must not have be standards using a flash cha- at all. Have standards changed? Well, we've talked about it. He wrote a letter to the editor about it. He brought the papers for me. I looked online, and he also brought the image. And I think it's the part of it is the quality of the paper. But these people, these people that are shooting pictures, you know, you need to. Think about it. Is it, it doesn't matter if it's going to be seen online or in a paper paper. That's what Mike does. He picks up the paper, takes it to work, reads it three hours later. He doesn't look online, but that photographer needs right. to think, am I doing this just for online? In his case, he showed me some pictures. They're not even filling with flash. Where and how are your images going to be used? Yep, right. You have to think about that. Well, if that. newspapers today think that people read their paper online, then why are they even throwing it in my front door? Right. You know, because they're missing the front door. But, uh, you know. Hitting hit you in the head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I subscribe to my local paper. I pay the money. I like the paper. I yeah. want to keep informed. A lot of people like that format. Yeah. Well, I love it because I don't have time to look at it online. Uh, at work, I have time to read the paper. And, uh, you know, lunchtime and off time and whatever. But, yeah, some of these photographs are just awful. And, and one of the photographers is a, a Class A guy like you that's got some dramatic uh, fire pictures from the local uh, seer, seer fire. Oh, oh, the Sarah fire. The Sarah yep. fire, yep. yeah, he was out there doing that. And uh, the, the la- to talk about brush fires real quick, and I know you want to wrap up. I was able to get a couple of brush fire pictures, and I don't do brush fires <laughs> with my film camera. Uh, I have an old Rebel film camera also, um, uh, something, an S10 or something like that, from about 12 years ago that still works great. And, I, and we had a local fire that uh, – Buckweed fire Absolutely. That, that came over into my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. we were packing the car, getting ready to leave, had it come down that canyon any farther and, and got the canyon across the street from me, sort mm-hmm. of. Um, we were we were a little panicky. But, yeah, I got up and kind of roamed around uh, where I could and t- took some pictures just to say I did. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it was anything. right there. Yeah, How could they, you miss it? They sure. weren't anything. It came to, to you. To, yeah. But to look at the devastation afterwards, I, my drive home from work is right past all those homes. And, and it was dramatic to me. And I've never been in a, in a fire, never had a fire in my home. Um, I mean, that's got to be devastating. But I saw where it just in, encompassed backyards and, and just literally burned right up to the patio cover. Took the paint right off the patio cover, but they saved the houses. I have somebody I work with that lives down in your Belinda, these recent fires, and he said the fire went right around his house, both sides of his house. Yeah. Wow. Went right by, and, and yeah. uh, fortunately, it left his house untouched. Well, I can't thank you guys enough. This is, you know, we, we need to learn from guys like you. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I've been shooting for a while, but I just love hearing the stories. I've had the benefit of learning from guys like yourselves. And really appreciate you coming by, Mike, and uh, and sharing your stories with us. And Ross, thanks for your your input as well. You you have a gadget for us. Ross. I do. You know, I was listening the other day to uh, either a podcast or something, and I got to thinking. We talk about backup batteries for our cameras. What about for your cell phone? You know, it's something that's really important. I got uh, been buying uh, some equipment from cellphoneshop dot com, and um, and so. If you, I, I highly suggest if you go on and listen to our podcast on your 
new smartphone and you use up all that battery and then there's a fire tonight or you need to have it's good to have even backup of your cell phone battery that's and, a good uh, that's a great point and uh, i found it all came from overseas cost me all of i think 12 dollars for a new battery charger doesn't have a you know um verizon name on it it's foreign market but it meets all the specs of verizon so i now have a backup battery backup charger and so if I deplete my battery, you know, and even think about here out here with earthquakes, if we lose power for three days and oh, I use yeah. up all my phone, how am I going to charge my phone? So now... In your car. Well, that's if you have a, the cigarette lighter adapter. So Now, is this something that, that plugs into the, can, the phone externally or is it an actual just a replacement battery for it's it? It's a, re, a replacement battery. Okay. So I now have two batteries for my phone if I need it. And that's a great – and I have an iPhone and I can't do that because I can't replace the battery. That's one of the things with it. the new uh, – you know, with the um, BlackBerry Storm the coming storm. out. Uh, you listen to some the of the people today. You can – And I've missed that. Blackberries I've had in the past, being able to swap out a battery, I always had a spare around. And, you know, these days where smartphones – our phones are doing a lot more in the background now. They're, you're doing GPS. You're, you're listening to – to podcasts, listening to music, you're you're looking at maps, you're getting emails, you're taking sending them, pictures, you're surfing the web, you're taking pictures. That all takes battery power. You know, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about this, being on a flight, you're watching a movie or something from yeah. iTunes on your on your iPhone iPhone, let's say, on a flight or listening to music. You land. Now you got to call for a cab or call somebody to come pick you up at the airport, and your and battery's dead. Exactly. So, so this is definitely something you know, worthwhile. And we'll put in the show notes uh, the, the cellphoneshop.com, and I have bought from them. I, this is not my first purchase. Um, they, they accept PayPal, so you don't have to do it by credit card, but it comes from overseas. I had to ship ground. I still got it in five days. You know, it didn't have that fancy package and the fancy blister pack. Right. doesn't need it. Exactly. And we've said it before. You know, the $60 Canon batteries that are on the top hook at Best Buy are the same batteries that are for $30 on the bottom hook. Yeah. And it's, a, and it'll get, it's enough to get you by. Exactly. In, in an emergency so that's what or I'm what thinking. have you. Did you and buy the heavy-duty battery? Yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah. And it's the cell phone st- uh, shop? I, I believe so. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll, uh, I'm looking at their bill right in front of okay. me. We'll and confirm it's cellphoneshop.com. Cellphoneshop.com. And you don't need any passwords. Um, many people using it. Great company. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for you, as we will with all the links and websites we've mentioned during the show. Yeah, for uh, a charger, a lithium battery, a car charger, and some other thing I bought came to uh, $26, $4 shipping for a total of $30. I now have backup. I don't have to worry about it. Well worth it, for sure. Well, again, thanks to to Mike Bolton for coming by, and uh, thank you, Ross. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. Let's give you a little contact information. Ross, where can they see you? Firepictures.com. There's a link there to email me or Ross at firepictures.com. I'm also on Twitter, which is... Twitter.com. Thank you. Twitter.com slash firepictures. Mike, do you have a, you have a website set up or anything like that right no, now? No, I don't. You're working on that. But We're I do know he's on our forum. He is on the forum. He is on the Fireground Action Photography As, forum. I think uh, Mike, uh, at the dog trainer. The yeah, dog trainer. Uh, that's his other... Yeah, I switch uh, professions from photographing yeah. uh, people to training dogs. So I am the dog trainer at yahoo.com. Okay, there you go. And you can yep. you can uh, get to Mike on the, uh, on the forum Talk as well. Talk about those old stories. Talk about those old stories. It's great hearing those. Uh, you can basically get everything at firegroundaction.com, which is the website for the podcast. You can email us here at the podcast at podcast 
at firegroundaction.com. And we put out announcements, ask questions, want your feedback. So you can go to the, the uh, online forum. It's free to join if you don't already have a Google, uh, Google Groups account. Well, you can get on there. You can ask questions. You can answer questions. You can start a conversation. We say all the time, the conversation doesn't end when the podcast is over. It just gets started. So bring the conversation over to the forum. Bring it to, to Twitter. You can uh, Twitter us. You can follow us at Firephotos, twitter.com slash Firephotos. If you want to see my work, you can just go to craigderling.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash craigderling. I think on our next episode, Craig, we'll talk about some Christmas gadgets. It's a right in time for the Christmas. holidays are coming. Coming down the road here. We'll talk about them on our next episode. Black Friday, Absolutely. Black Friday has come and gone. We'll see how people made out with all the sales out there. We'll see what kind of gifts and gadgets everybody wants as stocking stuffers. Maybe we'll talk about uh, some new Canon stuff about uh, for professional photographers then. Well, yeah, CPS, uh, yeah. Canon Professional uh, Services, is coming out with a new format starting in uh, first quarter 2009. So we'll talk about that. It's, uh, it's changing quite dramatically. So if you're a member of CPS, you need to be updated on the changes that are coming up. So that's a, we'll get that in the next few shows here. So we've got some topics for upcoming episodes. But get on the forum, follow the, uh, the website and the Twitter, and, and we'll continue that conversation after the show ends. Well, speaking of the show, that's it for this episode, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be safe out on those fire lines, and we will see you next time on Fireground Action Photography.